Hello, my friends. It's Begonia Bree the Book Fairy here, and I'm so very happy you invited me for story time with you. I love to bring you fairy tales, folk stories, legends, and myths from all over the world. Today is part two of the Greek story of Atalanta. Last time we learned that Atalanta was born to a king who did not want a daughter, but a son. She was raised by the goddess Artemis in the woods surrounding the kingdom. Atalanta's happy life was interrupted by hunters, and she unintentionally rescued them from the wrath of Artemis. In exchange for their lives, Artemis demanded that the hunters take Atalanta back to her father, the king of Arcadia. Now we will see how the king reacts to the reunion. So go ahead and ask your grown-up for one last drink of water, and make sure you have your favorite stuffy or pillow nearby. Snuggle up under your covers so you're all nice and safe and comfy. All good? Well, then let's begin. By sunset, the group had approached the palace. Maligar's face was familiar to the guards on duty, and despite the unexpected addition of a scruffy-looking girl to their party, they were allowed admittance. Maligar then requested a private audience with the king, whispering to the guard, Hippomenes, about his unexpected assignment. Hippomenes looked at Atalanta with disbelieving eyes. He turned to Maligar, frowning. This urchin is no more a princess than I am a newborn lamb, he insisted. Maligar quickly related the story of the silver deer and the goddess Artemis, but Hippomenes still looked skeptical until the other hunters piped up. Indeed, it's true, they added, describing the encounter, but carefully leaving out the part where they were caught off guard by Atalanta's ambush. Hippomenes looked at Atalanta more carefully this time. If he squinted, the girl did appear to have the queen's cheekbones. And admittedly, her eyes, one green and one gray, were strikingly like the king's. But perhaps such a thing was not so unique. I will allow you to see the king, but... Hippomenes added, if you make a mockery of him, he will see that you're put to death, all of you. Be warned. Despite the fact that Hippomenes had no right to make such a threat against a prince, Maligar nodded. The guards reluctantly pushed open the heavy doors. The group clattered into the room where the king sat at a table reviewing a document with two other men. The king looked up and his advisors rose swiftly, ready to dismiss the interruption at once. "'What is the meaning of this intrusion?' one of them bellowed. Maligar and the rest of the hunters bowed quickly, nervous before the king. Atalanta alone stood, unfazed, and stared at the man seated behind his defenders. "'Is this my father?' she asked Maligar. At her words, the king himself stood up. He was neither as tall nor as majestic as Atalanta had imagined him— she had assumed that a royal being would move with the same kind of grace and purpose that Artemis had, never releasing a gesture or breath without reason. Instead, this man pinched his face in confusion. "'Who is this filthy child? Why is she before me?' he asked, folding his arms across his broad chest. He did not sound angry, neither did he sound pleased." Maligar took a deep breath and quickly relayed the day's unusual events to the king and his advisors, with the hunters adding details and confirming the truth of his story. This is preposterous, one of the advisors laughed, but the king grabbed him firmly by the arm. 
Bring her here, he said quietly. The advisor, suddenly serious, obeyed. In complete silence, the king looked at the girl as though he were trying to detect a flaw in a gemstone or an error in a counterfeit coin. When he focused on her eyes, his expression changed. With a loud, calm voice, he proclaimed, Everyone out! The girl and Prince Maligar may stay. Immediately, the three were alone in the room. The king spoke directly to Atalanta for the first time. Who are you, child? Atalanta thought for a moment before answering. I am a daughter of Arcadia, she responded simply, of the forest and the river and of the moon. I am a devotee of my lady the goddess Artemis, who is the only mother I have known. All I am and all I know is of her doing. This fantastical web the prince has woven today, this story about a deer and a goddess... Is it true? It is. The king rubbed his eyes and ran his hands down his face. By all of Olympus, I never imagined that... <sighs> he was quiet for a long moment. His face twisted with something. Grief? Regret? Maligar couldn't place it, but he'd never seen it on the king's face before. Then the king spoke in a low voice, heavy with remorse. The men of my family have ruled Arcadia for as long as the forests have been here. I am the eighth man of my line to sit on the throne. Sixteen years ago, my wife gave birth to a daughter, but I wanted a son to rule after me. I was overcome with anger, and I sent the baby away. Into the wild, Atalanta added. Yes, the king replied softly. It wasn't long before I realized how foolish I'd been, and I spent many days wandering the woods, praying that I would hear the cry of my child. But days turned into months, and I knew she was lost to me. My arrogance had cost me everything. My wife left this world not long after that, and I have been a man grieving for these many years. Atalanta did not know how to respond. She looked at Maligar, who gave her a small, encouraging smile. Princess, he began, I have known your father nearly all my life. He has been good to me. He's never been anything but patient and just and merciful. I was none of those things when you were born, the king said to Atalanta, and I feel as though I cannot earn nor even ask for your forgiveness, but perhaps, daughter, he stumbled over the word, perhaps you can spend a few days here with me and somehow we can start again. Atalanta hesitated. A jumble of emotions bubbled inside her, and she felt overwhelmed. She had felt little but peace in the forest, an almost constant sense of calm surrounded by nature. The only time her heart raced was during a hunt, or when she came across hunters. It was racing now, though, and she struggled to identify why she felt cold and on fire at the same time. 
The king saw the confusion on her face and reconsidered. It may be good for you to spend some time with Maliger and his sister. Perhaps some of their associates, they're close to your age, and I imagine you might like to make some real friends. Atalanta almost replied that she already counted bears, owls, wolves, and foxes among her friends, but she thought better of it. All right, she said simply, and nodded a stiff bow. Sensing the tension, Maliger also bowed and escorted her out of the room. Over the next several weeks, Atalanta spent as much time outside of the palace as she could. She resented the men who tried to tutor her in language and music, making her sit for hours at a time and pluck the strings of a lyre. When two of the maids drew her a bath and attempted to comb her long, tangled hair, she felt hot, angry tears prick at her eyes, tears of pain and frustration. And when they took her simple linen tunic, balled it up, and tossed it into the fire, she felt as though they had burned a part of her identity. She continually returned home for her adventures with knotted hair, a dirty gown, and muddy feet. She heard one of the maids whisper to another that the princess was more an animal than a lady, and that was unlikely to change. Instead of ignoring them, Atalanta spat out, I would rather spend a single day as an animal in the forest than a dozen lifetimes as a princess in this palace. As she went to her room, she slammed the door and sat quietly, praying that Artemis would come rescue her from this horrible prison her life had become. And after many nights of prayer and offerings, the goddess responded to her cry. And that's the end of part two of Atalanta. Sweet dreams. Magic Tree by Jeff Harvey.